friends, welcome to Kusini, the African grind, where we bring you the stories of young Africans from across the region, highlighting the good, the bad, and the ugly of building ventures or movement, and how they find balance in what they do. Thanks for choosing to be with us. I'm one half of your host, Maggie. And I'm the other half, Idel. Let's get into it. Welcome everyone to another episode of Kusini, the African Grind. And today we are joined by Amishadai Ofori. Really excited to have you here. Um, Amish wears many hats. He is into tech. He has started his own juice business. He also is into spoken word and poetry. And currently he has founded Innovation Spark, which is a consulting company He's passionate about helping businesses grow and understand their strengths. And yeah, we're just excited to hear more about like what inspired this, your journey into all these different areas uh, and learn from you. Welcome. Thank you, Dell. It's so good to be on a podcast with you. <laughs> it's great having you here. You came top of mind just because of how entrepreneurial you are. Everything has sort of led you to this, helping other people mm. start businesses. You yourself have kind of done it. So what made you think that, okay, I'm in a place where I can help people to do what I've been doing? Mm. Well, thank you for the question, Dell. Let me just tell you a story. We love my stories. Third year. <laughs> when I was in my third year in the university, I joined a group called the National Society of Black Engineers. Mm-hmm. And essentially, they introduced you to amazing engineers from the U.S. who were black and were able to dominate in their fields. But one of the most important sessions that we had was a meet the, meet the enterprises session where essentially people from the outside corporate world would come and talk to us. The truth is that at that time, I was president of the club, but I was not enjoying my I was not enjoying the course that I was studying. I was studying electrical engineering at that time. And for the world of me, I really didn't see myself practicing as an engineer or as an electrical engineer. So mm-hmm. we invited one group called Meltwater Entrepreneurial School of Technology, MEST for mm-hmm. short, to come mm-hmm. and speak to our members. And as soon as they started speaking, I knew I wanted to be in MEST. They mm-hmm. spoke about helping you get skills that will help you set up your own company in software. Mm-hmm. And I saw that as a frontier of what entrepreneurship and even employment in Africa was going to be. So thank mm-hmm. God for me because at that time I knew what I was going to do after school. Mm-hmm. Otherwise I really would have, I really would have wondered. And so mm-hmm. it was after university that I joined Meltwater. Mm-hmm. Let me just slide this in here because entrepreneurial stories are not glamorous right so even whilst i was in school and i was president of national society of black engineers i had trailed three of my courses and these were like major courses these were like four credit hour courses it even cemented the whole idea that yo like why am i doing a course i don't like i was like oh my goodness i might as well just end it here For real, this was like my first time and I actually three at once. It, 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 it was confounded. Mm-hmm. To talk about for MEST, I entered MEST and MEST has a very rigorous interview process. 
But for some reason, they chose me, even though I had trailed three courses. And I think what really convinced them was the fact that they appreciated determination over academic results. Anyway, yeah. good news is in mess, I went to I went to continue to write those three papers and I passed, right? But the most important thing I picked from mess was determination and pursuit of knowledge beats trying to get academic scores. And MES was also filled with amazing individuals who were trying to start their own company. Some didn't know how to how to code when they entered MES, but by the time they were leaving, they were CTOs of their own companies. There was no way I was I was going to be in MES and take hard work for granted. Of course, if we were outside, I would have said, oh, when I was a kid, I sold lemonade ETC when I was young. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. I, did, I did sell, right, when I was young. My mom mm. had a shop. Um, Del, you know my big sister. She and I sell most random stuff. We would sell, like, what you call kubetov. It's, it's candy made from coconut. But I honestly didn't get hardcore entrepreneurial skills or through the MES program. Okay, first of all, to be honest, I super relate to this idea of being really good in high school and then you go to university and then it humbles you <laughs> and then you even start yeah. a, doubting yourself or uh, even just hating the things that you're doing. I did like hardcore yeah. mathematics and I came out, you know, very crushed, actually. This idea that we value um, intellectual knowledge sometimes over hustle. Um, it's interesting that you discovered that even within like a school setting. I want to know how you got over that once you started failing and you felt or trailing. I like, I like how you call it trailing. How do you get over that fear? Because that's a lot of issues that people face when they're trying to do something the first few times that they're not successful, you start doubting even your ability as a, as a person. How do you talk yourself out of it? How do you say, no, I can actually continue doing this? Well, I can share how I was able to get over it. And I think it would even be ungrateful for my end to say I got over it. I had people talking to me and sort of counseling me through it. And I remember speaking to someone who had also failed before yes we do call it trail in ghana so it's a thing so he had also trailed before but he was now doing well much later and these people helped me to appreciate that hey yes you have failed now but it is not the end and you have to continue you only have failed if you stop after university the the best learning experiences for me have been true failure and let's just even slide the fact that I am in, uh, I am at a uh, judo class now, right? Yeah. You mm-hmm. keep, you keep failing till you get it. Yeah. At mm-hmm. judo, they tell you, don't be afraid to fall. And mm-hmm. even the first thing they teach you is to fall. You learn yeah. how to fall. I think that the best thing for people who are averse to failing is to start embracing it. But I do get it. If you are used to succeeding all the time, it can be scary. I I feel like he's just talking out my truth. <laughs> I, feel like, I mean, I completely relate with everything you're saying. Um, being top student, I went to med school. I was like, I'm still going to be the best in, in the class. And then you see those results in the first year and you wonder, 
um, mom and dad, I think uh, we made the wrong choice. Uh, I think maybe I need to do something else. So you said you did engineering. Now you're in business. You also do spoken word. Um, and I'm really curious in terms of how all these different abilities or throughout this journey of yours, how you've been able to sort of utilize the different capabilities that you've carried along towards the, the next venture or the next business. Mm. Because we come from a society whereby we are, we grow up to pursue a singular skill. Mm. We're going to be a doctor, this is the path. You're going to be an engineer, this is the path. When you think about it in the world that, the world that we're currently living in, most of the problems that we're dealing with are not straightforward problems. They're what we call wicked problems. They're so complex, they're so ambiguous, and they need so many different skills, and they need us to be able to view problems at a different lens. Mm. And which actually comes to what you're doing, the consulting company that you have. How have you, how do you feel that all that, all that those experiences have brought you to where you are right now? Oh my goodness. I think that you and I, you and I are, are on the same frequency right now, maybe. <laughs> yes, it's so true. Wicked problems. Oh my goodness. I'm so boring that. I like it. Right. So, wicked problems require, they require flexibility. And this is, this is in retrospect, right? This is from the benefits of hindsight. All the skills that I have been able to develop and leverage up to this point have been because I have allowed myself to experience them. So the first time I, I did spoken word on stage and I was aware that, okay, I am, I am a spoken word artist on stage. I was also in the university and this was so random, right? My friends were organizing a spoken word event. I, I used to write and publish on my own. My friends are organizing this. I have the rare opportunity to perform on stage in the university. Let me do it. And in so doing, I got to appreciate that, okay, my writing and my ability to speak on stage has an audience and can help me to can help me to better communicate or cement my thoughts. We might say accidentally or spontaneously happened. Mm-hmm. Then we continue to mess and in mess because almost everyone is a tech a tech nerd. Most of them are not comfortable speaking to customers. And so they would say, oh, you are going to be the business development <laughs> if you can't speak. And guess who could speak? So we are all coding at MEST. We can all whip up a mobile or web app, but who will sell it? And I remember even the way I joined Flippy Campus, the startup that I was part of at MEST, was so spontaneous. I was part of a different group. I was part of a different team. We're trying to work on a fintech app, but it just wasn't working. And mm-hmm. instead of trying to force it, we are, we agreed that hey, there's no need for us to try and start a company for the sake of starting a company. We don't know what will happen if we disband, but let's disband anyway, because it's better than trying to force it. Mm-hmm. We disband as a team and the the original founders of Flippy approached me and say, Hey, we need someone of your skill sets who can speak to students and 
get a crowd and be able to inspire. And that's how I even ended up joining the company that got funded at Mess Flippy Campus. And so to answer your question, Maggie, these were all skill sets that I was able to leverage because I allowed myself to explore them. And it wasn't necessarily following a path to say, hey, if you do spoken word and you go to mess, you will be able to help. <laughs> I do wonder if there's a role to teach now because of now how the world is and how we've been exposed that we don't have to just be one thing. And I think this is a struggle that I'm also going through at the moment where I have moved away from practicing as a doctor. I went into public health and now I'm at a point where I'm trying to think of how do I actively try and get all my different experiences in all the things that I do? How do I bridge it and, and like sort of synergize them to actually do something actively towards problem solving? And I'm, I'm wondering as well how if we can also start, sort of have that active process as well moving forward. I'm reading a book by Alan Watts. So Alan Watts in The Wisdom of Insecurity is saying, hey, there's actually peace that comes from embracing insecurity, especially when we don't know what the future holds. And then he gives this amazing example. He says that even, even when um, Jesus was, form was forming his, this, uh, his 12 disciples, he kept challenging their existing thoughts of who they thought God was. It was like, hey, first of all, whoever you think God is or however he's supposed to relate with you, I'm here to challenge it. And so he would come and say, you are allowed to do this. You are allowed to challenge the Pharisees in this way. And it's, it totally distorted the, the ideology or how the fixed mindset that they had towards something. And this is perfect because for what Maggie said, we are now in a time where you can't use only one skill set to solve a problem. And so the more, the more you embrace everything that you are capable of doing, the more versatile you will be in solving the problems that come. Yeah. And you've mentioned the word insecurity. And what I kept thinking of is you're a founder of these amazing companies. You've been part of MEST. And I'm wondering as well, in that process, in that journey, how imposter syndrome or if imposter syndrome has played a role. I know you said, and how you're able to go above that. Because uh, I'm sure, for example, you might go into this uh, venture where there are already existing companies which are doing what you're doing. So, and chances are you might be the younger one who is in that process. So how, how do you challenge yourself to move past that? Thank you for that question, Maggie. So when you go to mess, there, there are Load. I would argue that almost <laughs> everyone at Mess has imposter syndrome. Oh, wow, the irony. <laughs> the irony. I know, yeah. Amazing people. So to be honest, the way the way I am still dealing with imposter syndrome is to first of all prepare. Okay, I make sure that I am ready when I have to pitch, when I have to have an interview, when I have to train someone, preparation gives a certain level of confidence and it will, it will help you up to a certain point. The rest will be out. The rest will be what plays out. When I was, when we we're working on our startup, Flippy, we we're going to meet Samsung because we had a partnership with them. And at that time, Samsung was willing to 
pre-installed the app on all mo on all mobile devices coming to Ghana, especially the ones that were targeted towards students. So the preparation we needed at that time was to know our numbers, how many people are currently on the app, what's our monthly active users, and what are the projections. So these I, I was prepared for. What I wasn't prepared for was how much to ask. My favorite numbers are two, five, and seven. Almost all the figures were twenty thousand, fifty thousand, seventy thousand. In the conversation, I, when when I was sitting in the room with their chief marketing officer, gave him the numbers and he was impressed. And then finally, we were about to close the deal. I was like, "It's your favorite number five. <laughs> you realize the numbers, but case in point, the preparation helped to be able to close the deal." So you can't underestimate preparation. And this is very important, especially for people who come across as naturally gifted or intelligent. Um, the imposter syndrome will be there, but when you are prepared, I know I know my stuff. And in the end, it will be a battle of nerves. Uh, one of the things we've done together is going for one of these leadership conferences where you have a thousand of the world's best young people, you know, so everyone there is supposed to be on their A game. And I remember like the first day we went there, I just found Megan and I told her, what are we doing here? Like, every yeah, who, are so <laughs> here, who are we? I have to say, um, like two or three days after being there, I found out that a lot of people were also struggling in the same way. You have started so many businesses or you've started so many things. Um, I'm assuming there are things along the way that you had to stop or drop. And I think, I don't know if there's a formula to it, but I think this is one of the issues that some entrepreneurs or people who are starting things might face is when do you let it go? When do you push? There are people who say, keep pushing, you know, like just when you think you're about to fail, that's when you need to turn the corner. And the that's people true. who are saying, um, if the smart thing is to know when to pivot or stop, how do you come to that decision and how do you stop it from being like, wow, I'm such a failure right now, and that thing hanging over your head? That's a great question, Dell. And I have to say, I don't have the silver bullets for this. Let's take Flippy Campus, for example. Flippy Campus is the company that I, start, we, I started with my co-founders when we met. So we got funding to work on our own startup, and it was Flippy Campus. Now, after two years, we were making great strides. We had a lot of users and were facing the conundrum of continuing this, continuing what we're doing and growing or trying to make money. So we're, we're getting a lot of users, but we're making many money from the app yet. And our CEO at that time decided that he was leaving, right? And I had to step in as the CEO and we, we experimented a lot. We set up a student shop on the app. We we ran an entrepreneurship program through the app. In the end, it just wasn't working, and we're still we're still burning cash. Okay, mm -hmm. so we had to make a decision: Are we going to continue with this, or are we going to stop? So this was after two and a half years, mm -hmm. and I remember wrestling with it so much. But in the end, the conclusion I came to was: Hey. Did I give it my best? Yes. If I gave it my best, then I am okay leaving it here. My friend always says she never made a decision that she regrets. Yes, the outcome may have been bad, but because she made the decision, 
And that's what I would like to, I would like to leave as an advice. You may have even made a decision that you, you may not think was the right decision, but as long as you made it and as long as you are still here, decide not to regret about it, but continue from there, right? Even after, after leaving Flippy, there was a moment where I was searching for what to do next and that would have given an opportunity for regret. But I decided, Hey, the decision has already been made. Look mm -hmm. for, look for how you can continue now. And that even led to me hosting a tech show temporarily on one of um, Ghana's biggest YouTube, um, YouTube and Facebook channels. It's called OMG voice. And that has even led mm -hmm. to me now hosting a seminar show on TV. And this was right after a failure. You no, know, a failure in quotes. In quotes, yeah. <laughs> Let it be known that I did my hand with the quotes. Well, that was such an interesting conversation and we don't want it to end just yet. So we have a part two lined up for you. Stay tuned for that. That's it for now. Thank you for listening to Kusini, the African Grind podcast, where we dive into the amazing journeys of Africans making their mark. Look out for more episodes. Until next time, bye.